Thank you, Jared. Uh, I must say that uh, at the outset, I'm very proud of Jared. Uh, he is uh, very dear to Dorothy and I. We have three children, and we love them all dearly. Uh, we're very proud of what Jared does here, and I want to say that we're very proud that he's here with you because you have a, a blessing here with a great congregation. You have so much potential and you have so many abilities and, and you have so much good stuff that is going on. My wife and I are very thankful that you have taken him under your wings and uh, you've helped him to go forward, that you've given him leadership and, uh, and support and that you work him for the Lord. Guys, there's really nothing more important than living for the Lord. The great joys that are there, and it doesn't matter, before I preached full-time, uh, we were always working in the church and trying to help people go to heaven. And that is the most wonderful parts of my life, is living for God. When Jared chose to work with the congregation many, many miles from my wife and I, I really didn't care because I knew we had an eternity to be together. What's important is that he's faithful and he's living for the Lord. And we're very proud of Jared and Anna and their children. And, and we're so proud of the congregation here. I do want to thank you guys for everything. I do want to give a quick report. I know that a lot of you came to Iowa last June. And you did a lot of hot work on a roof. And you painted a house and, and uh, you did some other things. And uh, that lady that you put that roof on for, uh, she's had a, a difficult year. She had surgery for, for cancer. And uh, she's had a head-on collision not out long after that and was given a concussion and damaged the uh, surgery that she had. And she's had a long time since then and we've been working with her. Uh, because of the concussion, uh, she had wanted to study the Bible, but we had to kind of hold that off for a while so that her mind could get a little clearer. And so uh, we would study a little bit of the time here and there as she was doing well enough. And about, uh, I don't know, a month ago, I can't remember, but she had to take a trip to the emergency room and we've been studying and skipped ahead to the plan of salvation because she was very concerned about her salvation. And uh, I picked her up at the, the hospital from a, a quick visit to see how things were going and she, as I was putting her in the car, she said, I've got to be baptized today. And uh, I said, well, that's easy to do. We had a counseling session that was coming up that day, and we, uh, we had the counseling session, went straight to the building, and, and started filling the baptistry, and uh, had some of the members bring her to the building. Now, Bonnie is, is kind of stoved up a little bit. She's had numerous surgeries, and I knew enough about Bonnie that she was not going to be easy. It took five of us to get her in the baptistry. And it took one lady to hold her knees down and one lady to hold her neck. And so as I was lowering in the water, I felt resistance. 
And I knew what it was from. She was hurting and she didn't want to go back. But I knew Bonnie, so all I did was push harder. Because <laughs> I said, we don't want to do this twice. And Bonnie was very thankful. Bonnie is now our sister. And I tell that story because I want you to know a lot of the good things that take place in Newton. And uh, I also wanted you to know about that one, especially because you all had a hand in, in helping to lead her to Jesus Christ. A lot of times you don't really see all the good things that you do and the influences that you have. But brethren, I want you to know that you have had a lot of good influence in Newton, Iowa. Uh, and so I appreciate that very much. And I know that Bonnie appreciates that very much, as do the rest of the congregation. You know, I don't know about down here, but I have a feeling that you all get some of the news that talks about the uh, the the slave trafficking, the abducting of women and children and taking them to other countries to be sold as a slave. And I know that when we hear of that, we are very appalled. Just last winter, uh, a lady in the Dollar Tree parking lot, there were two men that tried to accost her and, and stuff her in another car. Uh, there was a, enough people there to stop that abduction and put an end to that. And we think about this trafficking and slavery and the problems and the issues that go along with it, and it's pretty appalling to us. But guys, I want to take that normal, everyday thing that we are hearing in the news, and I want to put it into a Bible setting. In the book of 2 Kings, chapter 5, we see a situation where armies are going in to the land of Israel, and uh, they're killing people, and they're taking slaves, and taking them to their home. This little girl was one of those that was taken captive by the armies. We don't know much about the story. We don't know what she saw as she was stolen away from her family. We don't know the destruction that was there and the traumatic experience that this little maid went through. It's about all we know about her. But if we're honest, we know that it wasn't pretty. When we stop and think about the trauma that she would have gone through and been stolen away from her home, and now she has been sold to the, the commander of the great army. She is to wait on his wife and take care of him. And we often think about that, and in, and in our mind we're thinking, how could she have any desire or any good feelings to her captors? But as we pick up the story of this little girl, she is taking care of the wife of Naaman. Now, Naaman is a man that had leprosy. Now, leprosy is a very terrible disease that eats away at the, uh, the, the, the parts of the body. And they eventually die. They're ostracized from society because of this disease. You know, this little girl, it's a wonder she didn't say, ha, 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 serves you right. You know, if we put ourselves in her situation, we might be thinking that, and we might think, well, yeah, that's probably what I would want to think. But it's interesting that this little girl didn't think that. This little girl, she cared 
for her master. And, and he was in this great need. He had this, this terrible disease of leprosy, and, and she was concerned about him in this terrible situation that he was living in. And I want to come and bring it into the New Testament a little bit. And I want to look at some things that Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 25. And I won't go back and read the entire context. But Jesus is talking about uh, the judgment day and how uh, he, he, he is talking about those that have done good things to, these, to, to him throughout the life. And is they're answering him in, in this passage and to say, well, we didn't see you. We didn't see you a stranger in verse 38. We didn't t- took you, take you in or naked or clothe thee. And when did we see you sick or in prison and come unto thee? And the king shall answer them, being Jesus, and say unto them in verse 40, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, My brethren, you have done it unto me. I go back in my mind to that little maid. And I think of the good that she was trying to do to somebody that had upset her whole life. In our mind, we think about those that are stolen from our nation and 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 smuggled into other countries and we think how terrible and it is but that's what happened to this little girl and this little girl in her heart is looking around on those her captors and those that had done her wrong and she is seeking good for them And I'm thinking, Jesus commands you and me to be that good. He wants us to look around on those that are around us and do good for one another. He wants us to look on those that have done evil to us and to give them a cold cup of water if they're thirsty, to give them food if they're drink, by, by so doing, heaping coals of fire on their head. You see, that's the commandment we have in the pages of the New Testament. And this little girl seemed to understand that concept even in the midst of those problems that she was having. If we go to first or 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, we see an individual that was waiting on the Apostle Paul and doing everything that it seems to help him in the struggles and the work that he was going through. And in verse 16 it says, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not of my, shamed of my chain. But the thing is, Paul was nice to Onesiphorus. Paul had not taken him captive and made him go against his will but he was doing him good you know as we pick up this little girl we realize that she understood about some good things that were going on in her land in verse 3 she tells her master's wife if he would go and visit the prophet in Israel he could be healed of this what great faith she had She was trying to do him good, and she wanted to share good news with her master that had stolen her away from her family. A little maid is what the inspired word of God refers to her as. 
And so she is doing her best to try to help him and find a, a better life and get healing from this terrible disease that he is involved in. You know, as we go to Acts chapter 13, we see Paul's reception when he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with the Gentiles. We need to remember that you and I are the Gentiles. We need to recognize that we're not the Jews by nature, but we're spiritual Jews when we come into contact with the blood of Christ. I want to read a rather lengthy part in verses chapter 13, starting in verse 38. It says that, but he, but be it known unto you, therefore, brethren, men and brethren, that through this, this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers, and wonder, and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which she shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. In the next verse, the Jews were turning from him because of his desire to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know what? Paul still did his best to try to teach. He helped them to understand. He told them about their need to turn from their ungodly ways and the gods that they had worshipped and the things that they did to a living God. A Jesus who died on the cross for their sins so that they could be forgiven and walk the better way. Always as I look at the Bible and as I read the story of the things that are there I'm looking at it with a reason to find out how can I learn from this and be better today? How can I learn from these things and understand about my responsibilities of living for Jesus Christ? Brethren, we have before us a much greater need than healing somebody of some physical illness. We have before us the most immense responsibility on the face of this earth. We have before us the most important task that we could ever undertake, and that is to help people be healed of the ugliness and the destructive nature of the sin that's in their life. I often think of the disease of leprosy and I think that that's just a picture of sin. It slowly eats away at the body and destroys. And that's exactly what sin does in people's lives and then it ends in eternal destruction from the presence of our God and in the eternal burning hell. And you and I, though we are not well received by the world around us, have a wonderful message and a prophet by the name of Jesus who can heal them from the ugliness and the defiled nature by which they are being involved, that they're a part of love and that that is their life. We need to be like the little maid. We are surrounded by people 
that do not understand the love and the joy of Jesus Christ. They're taken captive by Satan to do his will. And guys, it's our responsibility. I think we need to stop and think about a Jesus who came to seek and to save that which was lost. I think we need to think about the passages where Jesus, through the apostles, teaches us that we need to follow in his example. That we need to try to look like Jesus every day of our life. And guys, we have a great responsibility before us. A responsibility to win the lost, to teach those that are around us. We need to recognize that the people in this world are lost. You know, I think when we stop and consider all of the ugliness of the eternal destruction that it should spur us on. That it should create in us an immense desire to try to help others to understand the proper way to live. Because they're not going to hear about it in some other way. But they need you and me. You and I need to recognize that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I could ask for a show of hands, and I believe that everybody here would raise their hand about who believes the Bible. We all do. That's why we're here tonight. We believe the Bible and what it says. And in Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when we look at that, we can recognize that all of the people that we meet on a daily basis are going to spend an eternity somewhere. Whether it be heaven or whether it be hell, there's only two choices. I think we need to honestly look into the people, the eyes of the people that we see on a daily basis. Our friends at school the people that we rub shoulders with at work. Maybe a spouse that is not a child of God. Maybe the friends that we do things with. Play cards together. We go fishing together. We hunt together. If they're not a child of God, If they haven't been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, they are going to be lost eternally. And when we look into their eyes, we need to realize that and recognize that we have a responsibility to help them to learn and obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to go to a passage in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I want to notice a little bit about eternity when one is lost. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, it says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Now, it seems as though these people were suffering at the hands of some of these people. 
I don't think we really suffer too much at the hands of those that are around us. But even if we did, we should have an intense desire to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ just like that little maid. That little maid that had been stolen from her homeland and sold as a slave in a foreign country. We need to look around and recognize the reality of hell. Guys, hell is a very real place. You know, as I got to know Bonnie, she was talking to me about the preaching when she was a young girl. And she was talking about the scary nature of a lot of that preaching because it was hellfire and brimstone. And, and I think maybe there was more of that back then. But I'm not so sure that it's not easy to lose sight of the reality of hell and how real that it actually is. I want you to think about it. I want you to read the things that the Bible has to say about it. I want you to recognize the torment. I want you to recognize the everlasting nature of hell. And then I want you to put that into the context of the world around you. Now, I'm not saying that you and I are not very responsible for looking at our own lives and making sure that we're living in a proper way. Making sure that we're putting the Lord first in our lives and that the kingdom of Jesus Christ and God's righteousness is the most important thing and the priority in our life. And it better be. But aside from that, we need to look around us and recognize that we've got a world that's going to spend an eternity in hell. It is very real. You know, as we go to the passage in Revelation chapter 21, we recognize a little bit more about hell, and that is that it is a hot place. Now, I do know that it gets hot in Mississippi in the summertime. But ain't no comparison, I'm telling you. Okay? Uh, It's a totally different situation, and it gets hot in Iowa in summer as well. But in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, it says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Burns with fire and brimstone. Hell is real, and hell is hot. I don't understand that, except I don't like it. I don't like it enough that I want to make sure that I live for God right now with everything that I've got so that I do not end up there. But I'll tell you what, I honestly look around on the people that look down on me as a Christian and I don't want them to be there either I really don't often I look at individuals in our community that have different struggles whether it be physical or emotional struggles and and I think I stop and pray 
God, how can I reach that individual? So that when this life is over, they've got something so much better. Guys, hell is real. And hell is hot. And the thing is, is that Jesus teaches us that hell is also not going to end. In Revelation, or Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, it says in verse, it's, Jesus says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I think about hell. And I think about my enemies. And honestly, I don't have very many. but I don't want them to be in hell. I am going to do everything that I can to help them to go to heaven. To help them avoid that terrible place where they'll never be able to get out of. Guys, as we look at the souls that are around us, we've got to put this into perspective. We've got to put away all of our preconceived ideas and we've got to put away the idea that, well, they won't listen anyway. This little girl, though Naaman had his own hang-ups and, and he got mad because the, uh, the, he, it wasn't going his way, he still saw it and he came around and he did what he was supposed to do and he dipped in the river Jordan seven times. We need to recognize the greatness of the need for what needs to be done. Guys, these people around us are going to go to hell. And it could be that you could work and work and work with many people in your life and only one of them will actually change and come back to God. But one's worth it, isn't it? I want to go to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12. You know, one of the things as I look at the roles that we play in the Lord's church, I recognize that Jesus expects all of us to strive to teach. In this passage, he says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and have become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Now, it's kind of a challenge to teach. It's kind of a challenge to be able to get to where we can actually sit down with somebody and teach them. But you know what I want to encourage you to do? I want everybody to take some part in leading others around you to Jesus Christ. A couple of weeks ago, a young man that we have in, in uh, Newton... Some of you might remember John. He, I think, is 18 years old. He recently started working at uh, Maidrite. And uh, John's kind of reserved, and he sat, sits by himself. Did y'all get him to talk a little bit? Okay, good. Uh, but John, you know, and sometimes we, get, we, we're, you know, we wish we could get John to open up. But uh, Sunday a week ago... I saw somebody walk past 
the window and go that way. And uh, I went, ran out real quick because I was afraid that we didn't open that front door. Sure enough, it was open. And Stacy walks in. And Stacy said, John invited me to come to services today. And I'm thinking, John, we're not talking about the same one. And sure enough, we were talking about the same one. And so I got to talk to her a little bit and ushered her in. And she saw John and, and took off and sat with him. And uh, afterwards, uh, she is thrilled. She can't wait to come back and she's excited to come. She's agreed to study the Bible. And I went up to John afterwards. This John that I thought, man, he's so shy. He wouldn't, do, wouldn't be able to accomplish very much along that line. I said, John, let me shake your hand. I'm pretty proud. Stacy's going to be studying the Bible now. Now, John probably won't be teaching her. But he could if he wanted to. I'm saying that to say this. You can lead souls to Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're shy. I don't care if you don't know how to talk to anybody besides yourself. I don't care if, you, if you're closed up and you can't get, get out and do as much as you would like to do. You can reach souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't sell yourself short. You do what you can. You do what you can as you look out and see souls that are going to spend eternity probably in hell. I love the body of Jesus Christ because we can work together. And we can all do the things that we would like to do and we can win the lost. As a body, we work together and we fit together and we each do our part to win the world to Jesus Christ. One soul at a time. Jesus said, Seek and ye shall find. Ask, it shall be given to you. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe Jesus? Are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? Jesus promised. You and I must respond to the teaching and do what we can to lead others to Christ. This little maid overlooked all the problems and did the right thing. Well, you. It's so easy to become a Christian. I look at these individuals that we see and I see their challenges and I see how easy it is. And Bonnie said, I can't wait any longer. I have to be baptized today. I said, great. As we studied, she recognized that she needed to learn and understand. And I make sure she looks at the Bible to see what it says for herself. 
She gains the faith from studying the Word of God, which you can't please God without that faith, guys. She recognizes in her life that there's things she's got to change, and, and she'll sometimes say a word, whoops, I'm not supposed to say that one. And she works to change. She recognizes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and she acknowledges that. And she was pushed into the water because her body was hurting and she was fighting against it even though she really wanted to. She was immersed in Christ, in water, with Christ for the remission of her sins. So easy to become a Christian. In her pain, she did it. Those people around you can do it. If you haven't done it, you can do it. If you just will. Then you've got to rise to walk in the newness of life. I'm going to tell you something about living the life for Jesus. It is amazing. And there is nothing better. If you're a Christian, give it all you've got. Seek first the kingdom and the righteousness of God. And it will bless your life every day. And then it'll give you a great eternity when this life's over. Are you a child of God? If you're not, please don't put it off. Take that walk. Give it everything you've got. If you are a child of God, are you walking with Jesus as you should? Because if you're not, your eternity does not look very good. Guys, if you need to make a change to your life, I want to plead with you to do it tonight. Do it before you walk out those doors. Turn your life around. And walk out of those doors as a new individual, ready to take on the world and happy with the Lord. If anybody needs to respond to the invitation, please do it now while we stand and sing.